What's up, everybody? Welcome to Ask for Candy, where we talk about healing, self-care, love, sex, relationships, and what it takes to be amazing on the daily. Who I am, I am CandiceHarperLoveCoach.com, and I help hardworking women and couples who have survived abuse be vibrant, alive, magnetic, and passionate while creating healthy relationships. And I'm coming to you from New Jersey. Woo! It's the fall, and you guys know, those of you who've been listening, that our theme all season long is healing the mother-daughter relationship and this is our wrap-up show we're about to like put it all together renata says hi ladies we already got people trickling in on the facebook Uh, (laughs) those of you listening on the audio that's my guest dr Lindsay. we're so excited to have her tonight she's a lot of fun and so we're gonna let people trickle in so that we can you know join in this conversation and and you know get it going but I know I'm going to introduce you to her in a second. But first, happy Monday, everybody. You are listening to Armed Radio with your smart device, maybe with the TuneIn app, or you're listening in the garden on armedradioglobal.com. We're also on iHeartRadio, so don't forget to follow us and download your favorite shows. We're also on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker. Or maybe you're live here on the Facebook like our friend Renata. Tonight we're broadcasting on my business page, but those of you who, who trickle in, and also Dr. Lindsay, who's here as the guest, if there's anything that you wanna share or, or if you wanna um, share the feed anywhere, some people like you know do a little Instagram, whatever. If you're out there, share it wherever you wanna share it. It's all good. We love it when people join in. Also for the people that are shy and they don't wanna put all of their business on blast and be commenting on Facebook, telling us all about their stuff, you can email me at askforcandypodcast at gmail.com. And if you have any questions or comments, I definitely respond in later broadcasts. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Like I said, I'm CandiceHarperLoveCoach.com. My talent is conversation. My passion is personal growth. And my purpose is to teach and inspire radical self-acceptance for myself and for others so that we can all have our best possible love life because we all deserve it and we are all worthy of it. And that is why this is a conversation. We're not here to hand down a bunch of dating or relationship rules or rights and wrongs. We're not here to shame your love situation. Our only intention is to create audacious intimacy, seductive singlehoods, and healthy relationships. So tonight and every Monday night, we're gonna do what we do, which is have a conversation that engages, educates, and or enlightens all of us in the areas of self-love, sex, relationships, and vibrating high. Hi, my Kenya, who just joined. And tonight, my special, special guest is Dr. Lindsay Weisner. And let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Weisner. She is a clinical psychologist in Long Island, New York. She graduated from Georgetown University in 1999 and was awarded a fellowship in child development at the National Institute of Child Health and Family Services. She received her doctorate from um, CW Post Long Island University and went on to pursue a postdoctorate training at the American Institute of Psychoanalysis. Dr. Wisner is the current host of the Neurotic Nourishment Podcast and the co-author of the upcoming book, 10 Steps to Finding Happy. This book will be released on March 20th, 2020. I love those numbers. I know, right? Those are fantastic, fantastic numbers. In accordance with the United Nations International Day of Happiness. That's perfect. I know, and who knew that was a real thing, but it is. Right? I love that that's a real thing. It needs to be a real thing. We're living in a, in very, very uncertain times. A lot of anxiety and depression going around. <laughs> so much, but I have a job, so it's worth it. 
right? <laughs> so, Dr. Lindsay, take your moment, say hi to everybody. Let them know. Let them know who you are and how you are. Hi, guys. I am still Dr. Lindsay Weisner. <laughs> I am a psychologist in private practice. I am also a fairly newbie podcaster and an author with a book coming out. And um, I think this is the perfect season to have me on because as uh, Candace and I were talking about before, there is no easy mother-daughter relationship. Right. And uh, I think we have to find a way to be happy no matter what our mother-daughter relationship is, either where we come from or the one we have with our children. Yeah, yeah, oh, I love that. You know, it's interesting because initially when I started this theme, I was having a lot of guests on who were like in, in a sandwich generation position where it's like, you know, they're taking care of their kids and they're also about to or on some level taking care of their parents. And I feel like, you know, when we've had traumatic pasts, you know, specifically in the mother-daughter relationship, that is a whole, like, can of worms. Like, that's a whole can of transformation right there. <laughs> sure, how right? do you care for someone who didn't care for you? Yeah, and then also learn how to care for people who who do expect your care and, and you know, learn how to do that when you weren't taught to do that. Right, the, I mean, the examples that were set for us are ingrained in such a deep-rooted psychological way. It's funny, I, um, I had a patient, I worked yesterday, a patient showed up in a raincoat, and it, like, it was pouring, and I was like, oh, I, I never thought about a raincoat, and it has something to do with a self-care issue. Yeah. And, was just missed and I would like to hope that I don't miss it with my kids but who knows it's tough to shake our past and yeah. find a different future and it's definitely we have to work towards forgiveness so I think this season is amazing and uh, you're so brave and uh, it's been so interesting to follow it along oh thank you I have a question for you around this because I can say for myself that that my discovery in the past few years of sort of healing a traumatic past um, uh, I found that a lot of the work that I do, even though I wasn't consciously aware of it, and the reason I became a coach was was around my own healing. Do you feel like, because you started out young, a lot younger than I did. I didn't start coaching until I was 40, 2000, 2012, yeah, <laughs> 2011. So, um, you know, you started out in college, right? You were already ready to study psychology. Is that... Kind of. I wanted to be a writer. I became okay. a psych major because a professor told me I couldn't. And I sort of recognized his narcissism as something that I was familiar with. Yeah. And sort of said, nope. And uh, immediately went to major as, uh, psychology. In psychology, I became a psychologist. I, or I'm sorry, I got a, a fellowship, a two-year fellowship with the uh, National Institute of Health in Bethesda, Maryland, okay. and this was a natural progression to getting my doctorate, but it was also tough to move past, you know, those things that hold us back. Yeah, no, totally. Do you, I mean, do you feel like, especially being so young and studying this, um, did, did you feel like you had to deal with things that you didn't want to have to deal with personally in order to like, you know, go through your education and all of that stuff? So part of my uh, postdoc work at the American Institute of Psychoanalysis did involve 500 hours of four times a week therapy. Oh, wow. I can definitively say I am less crazy now than I was then. <laughs> um, but I think that crazy remains because you know, we're all a little bit crazy. Yeah. But I definitely had to find a way to 
move beyond my past. And I think I try to do that every, you know, uh, every day, every year, every minute. But I also think it makes me a better therapist. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I mean, currently I found for the moment a sort of niche specialty in uh, patients who are uh, have suicidal ideation and are teenagers uh-huh. and that's huge to be able to sit with that level of sadness and desperation and not react or overreact but I think part of my past and my upbringing has taught me that people can feel things and not act on it or not act on it successfully yeah. um, it's taught me to pause before I react and I think that makes me a better therapist for many patients, but largely suicidal teenagers, because wow. we're so quick to to jump to save people who sometimes just want to be hurt. Yeah, yeah, and just want that connection, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I definitely feel like, um, you know, what you said is absolutely true as far as, uh, as everybody's a little bit crazy. I feel like we're all on some spectrum. <laughs> Whether it's a, you know, a narcissistic spectrum or a, you know, sociopathic spectrum, like we're all somewhere on some spectrum, you know, with, right, with our different neuroses and things like that. But one thing that I, um, you know, and I don't know how much you are into the whole like spiritual conversation, but I have a lot of gratitude and appreciation for is how um, being in this work and in this conversation of mental health doesn't mean it doesn't and it doesn't have to mean some sort of cure to perfection but it's about like just being able to be aware and own and and be okay with because i think that's half the battle is like you know and and i love that you work with teenagers because i think that's a time in life where being okay with whatever's going on with you is the hardest thing in the world to do right so i feel like that's important absolutely but you said like spirituality are you talking about like a faith-based approach well, I, I just mean in the in the sense of like... Um, I'm not against it. I'm just trying yeah. to, you know, clarify. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Always, I always mean a faith-based approach. But I think what it is is like, you know, there's the work. You know, for me, it's, it's coaching. So it's more about like the tools for getting things done and, you know, how do you push to the thing that you want to achieve. There's the work, which is one thing. And then the other part of it, for me, what it has been in learning how to coach and coaching with people has been this sort of uh, uh, spiritual transformation, this sort of, you know, intangible, ethereal kind of, you know, I don't know it's how to... Like sometimes you get a feeling or a voice, but not in a crazy band's way, and you go with it, and it turns out to be correct, and you can't explain it in words, but you can explain it in feelings or thoughts. Well, yeah, but also that that and and that being part of, like, how much I... I've healed through my own process of wanting to help other people heal. So it sounds like not that at all. Well, that's a piece of it. <laughs> no, but I do. Yeah. <laughs> you just say not that, I'm fine with it. Well, like, for me, it's it's not in a weird way, but it's sometimes I think my gut proves correct, and I I say faith based, and I it doesn't matter if it's God or spirits or religion or. Um, know witchcraft I got nothing but you know it's the idea that what you're doing has a purpose and has a reason and maybe we don't understand it at first but it clicks in at 
second or third or fourth. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's totally like this, it, it's a spirit thing, it, yeah, it's hard to explain. And this is not me trying to deny religion either, because, you know, I'm, I am a spiritual person, I do believe in God, but I think that when we endeavor to be mental health workers and work in this field, it's almost like you're setting yourself up for either your own healing or your own demise. <laughs> it's like either way. <laughs> hundred percent. I mean, I, I feel like a, a vast majority of us went into this because we wanted to figure out what was wrong with us yes. or how we could be better or what was wrong with our parents yeah. or how we could not fuck up our children. Mm -hmm. I like dropping that first F-bomb. <laughs> That's uh, good. I'm sorry. But, you know, we went into you broke this the for seal. reason, but I think we're good at it because we're open to learning and understanding and communicating. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and all of this is to say, you know, I always want to be very clear that, you know, we're not coming from a place of like perfection and knowing all the answers and what people should do. It's just about being willing to have this conversation and be open. And you said something that I really loved earlier when we were testing about, um, oh, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but it was basically like, you know, how important these conversations are because it really just is about you know, connecting and talking about it, right? I'm sure it was brilliant, but I can't. It was. <laughs> I completely slipped my, slipped my mind. So I want to talk about your 10 steps to happiness, because that sounds uh, fantastic. Top secret, can't talk about it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm lock it down. Um, yeah, it's, um, so 10 steps to happiness is, is going to be released, as you said, on March 20th, 2020. And um, it's my... So a lot of people went into this book. Um, I have a friend and co-author, Selene Castrovia. She has written a lot of books um, for adults, young, young adults, and she also has some cool children's Revolutionary War books. Oh, wow. I actually never thought the Revolutionary War would be interesting to children, but my kids love it. So oh, really? So she finds a way to make it work. Yeah. And... So we sort of detail 10 solid steps with concrete actions in each step that you can take to get you a little bit closer to finding happiness. I love that. Oh, and we also have 24 amazing expert writers in various fields. I have a, a jazz singer, a woman who runs a, uh, a woman empowerment expo where she literally brings women in business together to sort of boost each other up rather than Tear each other down. Or tear each other down. We have, I'm trying to think who else. I have a, an art teacher who's a close friend of mine, a, a, a music teacher who's uh -huh. also like a professional, uh, he plays the viola. We've just got a ton of amazing people. So okay. it's very exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to it. And those numbers. March 20th, 2020. So we want to say hi to Erica and Sharon. Erica says hi. Erica Marcherano says, well I done. I love you guys. Thank you. Erica tells you, er, she wanted to say well done on the F-bomb, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> and Sharon says a nutritionist. I don't know. You guys also have a nutritionist who writes in the book? Sharon is not only the nutritionist, but also my podcast co-host, who I love dearly. I love I it. Love. I know you're busy. I appreciate it. <laughs> Hi, Sharon. All right, so let's let's start talking about these ten steps. Sure. You ready? Um, so we're gonna try to get through what we can, and some yeah. of them I think are more important than others. Okay. I shouldn't say that about my own book, but <laughs> uh, the first step is honestly you have to 
choose to find your happy. And I think part of choosing is to understand what our realistic expectations are. Yeah. You know, I have uh, an eight and 11 year old and I love it when they come to me. It's so much fun when they come to me and tell me how bored they are. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The default setting isn't entertained and excited. Yeah. Perhaps curious, inquisitive, but like read a book. Yeah. Uh, And the same thing goes for finding happy because we expect that happy should be our default, and I'm not so sure that that's what it should be. Yeah. You know, I think survival, some sort of maintenance, homeostasis, those are all things that are normal to expect, but you have to actively make the decision to get out of your comfort zone if you want to find happy. Yeah. I love that you said that, because here's the thing. I, I feel like that is the basis of a lot of... Um, the work that I do as well, because I'm a big believer in, you know, taking responsibility for our own experiences and the choice of happiness. And I also love that, that you talked about survival because I was just doing some research recently and I was a reading about how our default is survival and it's part of why we struggle against um, you know, just being okay. Like, like it's why peace is not our default because it's it biologically we're wired right to to be looking for the trouble to keep ourselves protected. A hundred percent. Right. Meanwhile, we live in a culture in a society where, for the most part, obviously there are people who are in at risk situations, but for the most part, we live pretty cushy, <laughs> especially compared to the rest of the world. Right. Yeah, we do. And yeah. and you know what I've noticed with my patients, and I can not prove this on any sort of a scientific statistical you know way because I I just don't have enough time in the day but my patients who suffer from anxiety are largely either patients whose uh, parents one or both suffer from anxiety mm-hmm. and and or patients who have been brought up in unpredictable environments and yeah. that's where we feel that that danger right? yeah if you are brought up in a predictable environment, see, I circled back around. Sharon would call it a pivot, but I circled back around to that whole, you know, mother-daughter relationship. If you are brought up where what you expect is realistic and provided for you, you're less likely to have anxiety. Yeah, I can't prove it um, statistically, but anecdotally, I can. And so, I think we all need to sort of alter our expectations. Yeah. Absolutely. I also think, too, I mean, you know, that being true. And then also there's this whole thing with connection and how, you know, I'm hoping that as generations get younger, it it evolves. But like I look at my parents who are are very much baby boomers or like I don't know if they're considered elder baby baby boomers or the generation right before younger version. I don't know, but since none of us actually know and just pretend, how old are your parents? They're they're late 70s. Okay, I still don't know. I think that's like, it's either slightly older baby boomers or it's the forgotten generation, which that that should tell you enough right there. They call it the forgotten generation, right? But that generation in particular, the way that they connect, and this is very generally speaking, is through uh, ailment and pain and and guilt. Oh my God, we all connect through ailment and pain. I know, but... a bunch of 40-year-olds. But that's where... that's where we get it from. And I feel like gen- Generation Xers, which I'm very much a Generation Xer, it's like we're the therapy generation. We're the first generation that it was okay to actually talk to someone, 
you know, someone professional that wasn't in your family and not just complaining to your friends or your other family members or whatever. So I think and I hope that this is the case that as we move along, and especially by your children's generation, that the the possibility for people to be able to, um, you know, find different ways to connect so that you're not actually sabotaging your life by the way that you connect with the people who raised you or that, you know, the cycle can break. Like the pathology doesn't have to continue because you're aware that that's how they're trying to connect with you. Like whether it's guilting right. and all of that My stuff. My husband and I are both psychologists. We are going to fuck up our children royally. <laughs> I, I accept that. Maybe I'm the generation of we will fuck up our children. Yeah. But I, I like the rest of what you said. Yeah. And it's true. I think we all get sucked into whatever our generation is. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, you know, there is something to be said for certain things can be inevitable. But I do think that, you know, there, there has to be some hope for like, that people will get to a point that we, that we realize, first of all, how powerful we are and how much we don't have to live in any kind of victimhood. You know, I have a whole thing with victimhood. I have a very interesting relationship with victimhood. I'm curious <laughs> because I don't know about it. I, I think victimhood is both what keeps us alive and also what holds us back. Yeah. I Yes, I agree with that. And I do think that that's why it's a complicated thing. But I also think that... It's it's one of those things that it's very important to, um, and just like with anything else, be willing to be in some level of, of awareness around it. So there's our story, and you know this is just how it is. This is what it is. This is where I came from. This is how it's going to be, and that to me is a is a dangerous kind of victimhood because I think it kind of sets us up for you know, sabotage. I mean, for some things, it's no big deal. Like, you know, I cook the way my mother always cooked and, you know, that's harmless. But if it's that, oh, you know, my life, everything always goes wrong. This is what I come from. This is who I am. This is how I am. That's a very, it's a victim story that that's not workable if you want anything different, right? Well, well we call that learned helplessness in yeah. psychology. And it's, li- it's literally like the possum that rolled over and played dead. Yeah. So yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that's what I'm talking about. Like as, as generations go go by, you know, being able to to live a life that that that's not necessarily the the default because i know for myself it took a long time to get to a point of healing where i was willing to release that story that was just like you know i had the bad mom story i had the trauma story i had all the reasons for why i didn't do the things that i really wanted to do a lot of years go by and you know i i'm at a point in my healing where i don't you know visualize that with regret but i feel like that's avoidable for younger generations and it's not necessarily something that has to be passed on it's just, you know, something that often is. So obviously, I don't know the details of your story, but I think one of the things that's been amazing to me about getting older is sort of embracing it as part of who I am mm-hmm. rather than hiding it. Absolutely. That also gets back to what we were talking about, about my firm desire and pledge to sort of destigmatize mental illness. Yeah. But um, I understand now that this has led me to where I am, and it's also going to lead me to pitfalls in the future, mm-hmm. but it is it is a part of how I became this person and who I want to avoid and what I want to leave behind. So Absolutely. I think the acceptance is important. Absolutely. That's, that's totally it. Like. I'm a big fan of radical self-acceptance and radical acceptance, but that, you know, that's, we're talking about the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Same so, thing, different words. Right. Same page. <laughs> exactly. All right. So who? Who? Wait. Renata says already saving for therapy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Lovely. You're doing a perfect job. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's number? What's step number two? Um, seek your happy place. And I'm going to actually combine this with seek your happy place and seek your happy people. Ooh. Because it, it goes back to what we were talking about before. Find someone or some ones who love and accept you for who you are. Mm. You know, and and someplace where you feel comfortable. That doesn't mean you're the best at something or, you know, it comes naturally to you. But someplace where you can, you you feel comfortable enough learning from people, admitting your faults. Yeah. And embracing the experience. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Like community. Absolutely community. Um, Renata, I met on a cruise in Hawaii. Uh-huh. Um, on my first anniversary, which was 15 years ago, and she turned out to live across the street from us. Mm -hmm. She saw my mother come into the some room at the cruise and yell at me and berate me. Oh, wow. And when my mother walked out, she was like, Renata turned to me, she goes, we're going to do just fine. And now, <laughs> and you've been 15 friends. years later, she showed up. So thank you. That's amazing. I love that. It's a crazy-ass story, but it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Oh, I love that story. Alta says, yes. <laughs> um, step number four, by the way, is accept people for who they are, which does get back to what we were talking about before. Yeah. I Here's the thing. And I want to ask you about this because I, I kind of poll people a little bit. It's gonna sound maybe a little Pollyanna and people make fun of me for it. I really, honestly, truly believe in unconditional love. I do believe that it's that it's the only kind of love that, that actually is love or an expression of love. Not saying that you can't love someone if, you don't, if you're not treating them unconditionally, but I do think that it is the pure expression of love and that it exists and it's possible. What are your feelings about that? about unconditional love. Can I ask love. you a question? Yeah. yeah. Who do you have unconditional love for? I, well, here's the thing. I have unconditional love for myself, but that took a minute. Like, that's something that I had to understand what that was. 100%. And I have unconditional love for my family. Now, here's the thing about that. I don't believe that, like, in, in loving someone unconditionally, it's like you said, it's full-on acceptance, right? I accept you for who you are, for who you aren't. That doesn't mean that I, I let whatever you aren't or whatever you are change or alter who I am. That's not loving somebody. It's that I can accept that you're where you are and be with where you are and do what I need to do to take care of myself first. It's tough. I would love to say I have unconditional love for my children and my cats, but that doesn't mean that I don't have feelings towards them when they act out yeah um, so it's a difficult thing and I also think that I the older I get the more I think that love unconditional love and being in love are are different things I, well, I agree. I definitely agree that, that unconditional love and being in love are two different things. But I also think that a lot of times the, the reason that we sort of hesitate when it comes to unconditional love is because I think that people or our culture or, you know, whatever the, the sort of uh, narrative or the framework is around it is that it's, it means that you have, you know, good 
loving, gushy feelings every single moment for that other person. And I think that you can be mad at someone that you love unconditionally. I think that you can, you know, uh, dislike something that they do or a choice that they make or have a problem with it and still love them unconditionally. Like, I, I think the reason that people struggle with it is because it's, it's set up to be this thing where it's about perfection and accepting everything and trying to be like Jesus or be an angel. And I don't think that that's what unconditional love is. I think that what it is, is it's being able to just be with that, like you said, there's going to be times where I don't feel that good about you, but it doesn't change the fact that I love you. you I know? think that, I don't know how well it worked out for Jesus, but <laughs> honestly, but I think that if I'm going to have unconditional love for myself, I don't know how much I can have for everyone else. I think that my door is always open for repair and, you know, further love and further conversation and further development. But I don't know if at this point in my life, I personally can recommend unconditional love for myself or my children because I want them to be wary. And it's probably because of my mother-daughter relationship, honestly. Mm. <laughs> but, um, but I also respect what you're saying. I think it's just a different way of looking at it. Yeah, no, definitely. I also think, you know, it, it, it's really, um, and also why these conversations are so important, because I think for all of this stuff, it really does have to do with what our sort of beliefs are around it and how we define it. You know, it's just, it's about definition as well. But I will say for my own, um, and the reason that we're doing the whole mother-daughter theme, and we talked about this before, for my own history with my um, relationship with my mother, one of the things that came out of of the healing that I've done so far, that has come out of the healing that I've done so far, is is how important it actually is for for what I'm defining unconditional love to be, and the learning what that is and how that is, because I really do believe in the filling of ourselves up in order to overflow onto others, and that it's not you know I think. We have such a thing in our society that's about self-preservation and self-protection and, you know, the good and the evil, or, you know, and, and how to combat anyone taking advantage of you and, you know, uh, uh, diagnosing people as narcissists when we don't have a, a doctor degree, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like we're very quick to do that, but not so quick to, to be willing to um, let go of the perfectionism, the judgment, the criticism, all that stuff that our parents might have taught us that's the unworkable stuff that, that once we get past it, we break that cycle. So if I'm not in a place where I need to be in judgment, criticize, cutting people off because they're not doing what I want them to do, and, and I'm in acceptance of who the people I choose to be around, you know, if I'm in acceptance of myself, I can overflow and be in, in acceptance of other people. You know, sure, I think, and I think you also have to choose who you can and who you cannot be an acceptance of. Yes, yes, on some some level. I mean, I think you can be an acceptance of everybody. Being an acceptance doesn't mean you have to be with them. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can accept that someone is not... Like, I have a, a previous relationship that was very abusive, and I can be an acceptance that he's on his journey and not have anything to do with his daily life, like, not have anything to do with him, and, and still you know, wish love on him and, and have uh, uh, gratitude and appreciation for what I experienced with him and how that altered me and how that changed me and what, what I chose beyond it for my life. 
that I maybe wouldn't have chose if I didn't have that experience with him and still know that it's not meant for us to be together today. <laughs> sure, I yeah. think that what, what you're saying, uh, what I would, like the way I would word it is that everything happens for a reason mm. and I don't have to actually accept who you are to accept the place you've had in my life mm. and how you led me to the path that I'm on today, which that I can appreciate. Yeah. I do think, it, I do believe that everything happens for a reason and I also believe we can always make better choices. Yeah, yeah. No, that's absolutely true. Yes. All right, honey. What's what are we on? Step number five. We are on step number five. This time, this hour goes fast. By the way, huh? It's, I'm sorry. I was gonna say this hour goes fast. By the way, we're already at thirty-five. Do you want me to talk faster? No, I don't. <laughs> uh, step I number five is rid yourself of what you no longer need, and I think this goes back to the acceptance. I don't know if I need to accept everyone. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes I can just let it go. Yeah. And this goes for every relationship in your life. I mean, we go into it more in the book, mm -hmm. but pretty much I think you have to do what you can to, to make that decision. Can you both accept and let it go? Like, can you do both? I think so. Yeah. What do you think? I think so, too. I definitely think so. And I think that it also applies to, um, like, I, I love this because I, it also applies to the stuff that's around us, like, whether it's stuff that we're addicted to or, like... Nope. I have a hoarder for a husband. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did tell Renata this recently. Uh -huh. I may have told some other people. Um, I recently found, like, 20 bags of mail. Uh -huh in huge shopping bags um and so i'm gonna accept and let it go that i have a hoarder for a husband <laughs> but i cannot rid myself of that husband. <laughs> no that would be up to him to have to rid, rid himself of the hoarding but i think that it does apply like he'd have to make that decision right just to yeah we also do talk about um hoarding and hoarders and you know both as people possessions things yeah simplifying your life we have a lot of guest experts about that in the book and although I joke it is really important to try to let things go as you and I spoke about you know I just recently moved and it is tough to throw things out it is. they're all memories you know totally I do I actually in the last few years I've moved it like every year in the last few years and in 2017 I was in a really low point and I got evicted and just that that process was such a like uh, first of all, I didn't realize how much of a hoarder I was. I wasn't, not like a, an on TV, you know, dead, dead cats in the corner kind of hoarder. <laughs> but I definitely owned way too much stuff, way more stuff than I needed. And it was just such a traumatic thing to have to like, just let go of so many things through that process. But in hindsight, it was just like exactly what the doctor ordered. Because... I love the idea now of just like what, and I I do help, part of my coaching, I do help people organize their workspace spaces. Do you want to come to Long Island? I'd love to. <laughs> if you need your workspace organized, I will totally come and like have it. It's actually the basement. I really want my kids to have an art room. Yeah. Very creative. So I need you to come organize it because right now it's 20 bags of mail and a lot of felt. <laughs> now, how's your, how's your husband going to be with his mail? Is he very, like, attached to it? Is he, like, or is it just he doesn't want to get to it? Because that's a different um, thing, I feel it's like. It's the latter. <laughs> also, apparently we need to shred everything, so. Yeah, that's a big deal, too, because you got to sit. Or, or there's services. There's actually services for shredding. You know that, right? 
we don't like syrup. I got nothing. I don't know. <laughs> to be like, honest. <laughs> I but, had no idea. Yeah. But back to that. I mean, like, I think that when it comes to, like, you know, whether it's addiction or it's, like, you know, hoarding or food, whatever, I feel like it, you're right. The the in our our journey of happiness it is so important to be able to just say like like it's okay i don't need this thing like i don't need it and it's okay also, well, i don't need this that i'm that i think i need which doesn't mean be unhappy it just means we don't all have to be happy all the time yeah you know um step number six is actually do what makes you happy love it and you and i have been talking about this a lot in our sort of pre-shows Stuff, which is we you and I both enjoy this the podcasting the talking to other people the connecting absolutely and so whatever it is that makes you happy do more of it and don't feel guilty about it yeah <coughs> sorry I love that I and, and I, if I could add the the waiting for approval not only don't feel guilty but don't need anybody else to approve of it like you know, I feel like if, if, you know, for me in my journey around it, I didn't even realize I'm considered kind of a, a little bit of a rebel in my family, but I didn't realize how much I was still waiting for approval and waiting for permission to do a lot of the things that I love. Why are you a rebel? Um, just because I didn't get married. I didn't do the, the <laughs> normal traditional things that people have done in my family. Like I have, my parents, they've been married for, let's see, I'm 40, 52 years. My sister, her and her husband have been married for 30 plus years. You know, it's that's very much the tradition in my family. And my that younger sister... doesn't mean it's the happy tradition. I'm not asking. I'm just saying, you know, keeping with tradition isn't always... I agree. I totally agree. Like, I'm definitely... And that's part of what makes me a little bit rebellious in my family is that I pursued what I've wanted to pursue. And sometimes that's been to my detriment because it really was just about bucking against and resisting, which I think a lot of times bucking against and resisting usually, you know, at least for me, it doesn't always end up in exactly what I was hoping. But that said, I would never trade the fact that I decided to take my own journey and take my own path and not kind of follow in line with what the sort of rules of the family were. Yeah, or I think it's, it's a lot, first of all, I think the rules of the family usually lead to nothing very interesting and not a lot very good because it's just following in line yeah and i also think being brave and being bold is underrated yeah yeah absolutely and i think too sometimes and for me like i didn't realize how much even when i thought i was being like you know going against it i really was uh in anxiety or concerned about not having the approval it took for me to understand that you you know what you're still waiting for approval. The fact that you're you're approaching this thing that you love in a way, even just coaching, let's say for instance, and running my business. I was very trepidatious in those first few years because it was like, should I even be doing this? You know, why am I trying to no one in my family starts businesses. Women would they get married and they have someone support them and you know, that's that's what I think I should be doing. And so there was a lot of self-questioning, a lot of imposter syndrome. And I think that, um, you know, it, it's just that being willing to say, am I holding myself back because I'm hoping that someone's gonna approve or someone's gonna give me, a, give me permission, someone's gonna say it's okay. Am I not willing to give myself that approval and just go ahead and do what makes me feel happy, do what feels good and, and that I enjoy. 
and that I'm passionate and I, about. I think we can both agree that there's always going to be someone who approves, and there's always yes. going to be someone that disapproves. Absolutely, absolutely. And the thing is to not make it about them. Nope, <laughs> wait, wait. No, nope, it's got to be about you. Right? Sharon says, not needing anyone's approval is the most freeing feeling. I totally agree, Sharon. Absolutely. She's brilliant and amazing, and I agree. Yeah. And Erica says, ah, the male. <laughs> about your husband. <laughs> well, at least we've got them commenting on it and right. supporting us. Right? Um, you know, it's, so step number seven is take steps to pursue your dreams, which I think I can honestly say everyone that has commented so far, mm-hmm. and you and I, are doing this to the best of our ability. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, I could say more about that, but there's plenty of people in the book that say it more and say it better yeah. and I just think you have to be brave and bold and all the things I said five minutes ago so, <laughs> um, step number eight is actually celebrate yourself which is something that is really tough for us as women to do yeah I totally agree with that I'm a big ad I teach a, a movement and meditation class that's all about that I am a big advocate of self-celebration I have a coach mentor who actually does um, work around the womb because there, I, I think that, you know, you're right, like as far as women are concerned, it can be somewhat of a challenge to get into self-celebration. Um, and a lot of that has, has everything to do with not just our culture, but also our, you know, shame around sexuality, things like that. And so she does these, these exercises and meditations around the womb and the sexuality and, you know, unpacking all of that, that I think it, it is really, really important to be able to just say like, I appreciate my life. I appreciate my existence, and it's okay if I'm ten pounds too heavy. <laughs> it's okay if I'm. So I relate to the ten pounds too heavy, maybe twenty, maybe thirty. But what's the connection between womb and sexuality? Well, what she does, it's you know, when I say womb, I'm saying that in an all-inclusive way. So everything that that encompasses our. Yeah, I understand the vagina is included. Yeah, it's like our biological, right? Our biological womanhood. But the way she uses it, she kind of uses it metaphorically, like. The womb includes everything that you've given birth to creatively, your relationships, your romantic relationships, your, your, your sexual traumas. Like she, she is sort of metaphorically using the womb as our, our apex, our center. The, Interesting. Yeah, and so the work that she does is around, you know, if we are healing that sort of center of ourselves, that apex of ourselves, and we're in acceptance of, you know, what that part of ourselves has been through, and we learn to love that part of ourselves, we can then celebrate it. And so we celebrate it, the way we celebrate it in real life is, you know, it could be uh, something that we do with the elements like fire, water, air, or the way we dress ourselves up. But you know, it's like a lot of it can be very um, uh, tribal, you know, we do like dances and meditations, but it's all around learning how to like release the shame that says you shouldn't be celebrated or release the shame that says that as a woman you need to like tone it down it's funny (laughs) shockingly i'm like a huge yogi and i love like the idea of ayurvedic medicine and um all of that stuff because i guess i'm also you know i err on the other side of like brash and bold but i think that's really interesting and i think it really taps into a bigger message as we were talking about of like 
understanding that being female and being male are different and people are going to react differently to us and how can we embrace understand and sometimes fight against it like would you say that to a male in business and sometimes accept it as this is what gives me a unique perspective yeah yeah i mean i think that that all of that's true i do think that um and to me, this this sort of speaks to like identity in general, because I feel like it's it's really important. Um, and why celebrating yourself, bringing that back around to celebrating yourself is so important. I feel like it's really important to be able to stand in who you are, and because we do live in a, in a world where there will be people who will come up against who we are for whatever reason, whether it's that, you know, I'm a woman or because I'm black or because I'm Jewish or whatever. 100%. Right? So I think that, that the standing in who you are is, is an offshoot, or maybe it's actually the, the main thing, and then the celebration is, is a support to that. Like, I feel like right. that's... But I, I think we also need to accept, like, it still feels... Um, odd and uncomfortable to point out differences between us and it shouldn't like yeah. it should you know um, I saw it with you I felt it with me you know we should be sort of embracing who we are how we are different how we are similar and what we can do together and I just don't think I mean, I don't know if I'm there yet I don't think most of us are there yet but it is something to look forward to absolutely I totally yeah, agree with that. To move forward to. Yeah. Because I think the best thing about having a podcast for me, and I think for you, as we spoke about before, is speaking to people who we wouldn't normally speak to and yeah. seeing like how we can learn from each other. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. No, I totally think so. And I and I think that's how we do. Like, you know, that like you said, the willingness to celebrate ourselves is the start. Because if, if I know who I am and I feel good about who I am, I'm okay that you're different and I can still feel good about you. Right, and also, <laughs> I think it's gonna, it takes some time to learn who you are. Yeah. And I think it evolves over time. I know who I am today, I know what I believe today. But if I'm the same person now that I was like 10, 15, 20 years ago, then I've wasted a lot of time, <laughs> <Right>. you know? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Absolutely. It's my thought. <laughs> All right. We're at, where, what step are we at? I feel well, like. I know, I'm sorry. I was going to tell you, but then I was oh. like, maybe you should lead. We're at step nine, which is spread joy, which honestly, I think we've been doing with this podcast. Right. So. <laughs> um, well, now wait, though, with the spread joy, because I always feel like, you know, I want to give people nuggets, because if I'm someone out there, and I agree with you, like, I, I love my my bio on my Facebook is autogenic bioluminescence. So I'm all about, like, spread the joy, the smiles and all of that. But for people out there who, like, don't you know, know what all those complicated big words mean. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Or are just in a space of, like, feeling like oh, my life is shit. Like, I don't. What do you mean spread joy? Like, you know, what are some, what is a takeaway for someone, you know, who's... So last year at a local high school, there was a, there were actually two suicides, teen mm. suicides. Yeah. And when I spoke with several of the teenagers who had gone to the high school, one of the things we spoke about, because I'm scared and I want to know this for my own kids. And one of the things we spoke about was, well, what did someone do in the in the community in the school in the 
um, you know, whatever club to help, mm. like to make you feel better, to make you feel appreciated and loved. Um, I guess joyful. That was not my exact wording, but joyful in the moment. Yeah. And a few people told me that some of the mothers, I would like to say PTA moms, but I can't guarantee that, had shown up after school and given out flowers with a little note on them that said, um, you are appreciated, you are loved, you are worthy, something. Yeah. And to me, that always strikes me as, we've got a lot better examples in the book, but that always strikes me as like a huge, a small thing to do that makes a huge difference. It's totally. like when someone comes home with flowers for no reason. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's something that just says thank you for being you and for trudging through whatever you're going through. Yeah. So that's my association, which is not technically what's in the book. That's how I like <laughs> to think of it. And yeah. But it makes sense. Like if I'm someone out there right now who's like feeling kind of down on things, it could just be a little bit of acknowledgement of somebody. It's basically what you're saying, like just acknowledging that somebody, you know, matters or that they were there for you or that you appreciate their or just existence. Just to say thank you for a like thank you. things. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that. You know. And then the last one is um, to just be grateful. Be mm. grateful through for what you've come through come from what you're going through and where you're going next because none of us know yeah you know and also it gets back to celebrating the moment be grateful for the moment you know this shit is tough yeah um it's tough for me it's tough for you and i think we all have to acknowledge it that's part of the reason why like i'm excited about the book but i'm more excited about the idea of sort of you know, promoting uh, an acceptance of uh, mental health awareness, mental health advocacy, you know, 10 steps to finding happy is fantastic. That's my book, but also like 10 steps to ending the stigma. That's a hashtag I'm working on. Mm-hmm. It's actually better. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't think anyone should have to feel alone because we're all going through shit. Yeah. Sorry. No. It is. Yeah, no, it is. We are all going through shit. Um, I want to acknowledge you for what you do, especially your work with teenagers, because I, I think that you're absolutely right. I think that um, more than anything, and this is a belief of mine, I know that everyone doesn't think the same way, more than anything, we need to continue and uh, maintain connection with each other. And because we are in such major populace and you know and I think that digital communication is fantastic but also it's a convenient way to not have this sort of connection I think it's important right it's important to have people in the world who are willing to um see people who maybe are part of a marginalized like teenagers I think one of their biggest things is being actually seen and not just you know and I think that's why the suicide rate is high Right. It, it, it also applies to any minorities, like not only like African-American, but like polyamorous, LGBTQ. I, I could go on and on, you yeah. know, with teenagers. I wish I could say this was something I like dreamt about and thought about, but it's really something I fell into when I realized that you can tell me horrible shit and I'm not going to react in a way that's going to make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm going to ask questions and and figure out what we do next. Yeah. Um, 
and I think, oh, and men, men also, not a lot of men are seeking mental health. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I just want I, I just want to say thank you for that. You're doing God's work. I think it's fantastic. I think it's important for you know anyone out there and all of us out there. If you do have an impulse to connect with people in a, in a way that helps them, I think that it's it's very important that we follow those impulses, whatever the reason that we decide to do them. And so thank you. I for think what you same do. goes for you, though. Thank you. I know you're being all like you know, shy, <laughs> but the truth is, you do this for a reason. So yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. So, Dr. Lindsay, tell everybody where they can find you, what you're up to, what they need to do, what if they want to work with you, whatever you want to tell them. Absolutely. So, currently, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I just moved into a new house. My kid just gave me the bird last week, which was oh, super exciting because it was something it. like, look at the bird. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> you, I'm in uh, Long Island, New York. Okay. You can also find me on uh, Facebook at Lindsay Callen Weisner. You can find me, and it's Callen with a K. You can also find me on Facebook. We have a 10 Steps for Finding Happy book group. We also have a launch launch party, because I like the word party, that we are still <laughs> trying to develop. If anyone wants to help us spread the word on the book. I am on Twitter as Lindsay S. Callen, K-A-L-L-E-N. Okay. And then I am also on Instagram at psychshrinkmom, at neurotic nourishment, that's for the podcast, and also at 10 Steps Finding Happy. I know it's confusing, but I didn't know what I was getting into when I started. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. So I love it. Yeah, no, that's good. So now what we'll also do for the people who are on Facebook, we'll put in the comments all of your handles and, and the link to get in touch with you as well. And so those of you who are out in the armed radio listening world, you'll be able to access this in the armed radio group. So if you want to get in touch with Dr. Lindsay and yeah, Dr. Lindsay, thank you so much. Thank you. This was so much fun. It's such a great way to spend a Monday. Night. Right? It's awesome. It's awesome sauce. Um, you're definitely a friend of the show. You're going to have to come on again at some point. You're going to have to okay. ask me. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe around your, <laughs> around your book release since you're doing um, that in that March. That would be amazing. It's, again, March 20th, 2020. But I would right. love to do that. And I'm also, um, I'm really trying to spread the hashtag 10 steps and the stigma. And I would love to send you some like covers of the book yeah and so maybe you could join us on social media absolutely thank you i love it Much definitely definitely on instagram I've, I've been like honing my instagram skills it's so complicated <laughs> it it's is. so long to figure out what the hashtags were but i kind of understand so Right? Like, yeah, it's that weird sort of limbo of like, I think I got it. Every now and then something good will happen. And it's like, oh, someone did read that. Okay. And then I it's got like. nothing, but we're figuring it out together. And right. that's all that matters. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Lindsay. And for those of you out there who've been following the show, like I said, this is the wrap up of the mother daughter healing. Um, sort of theme and our next theme is going to be love and relationships around the world i'm going to be doing a lot of remote interviews for the next few months i've got a couple people from bali i have australia i have um 
probably should have written this down somewhere. I have a lot of people from the UK and a couple people from Brazil. It's going to be very interesting. Our love and right, our love and relationships around the world. We're just going to be talking about different modalities for transformation around the world and how it fits into um, different cultures and and how there's sameness and there's differences with you know how we do it here in the U.S., honey, because you know we're a special breed. <laughs> also. <laughs> Right? I'm opening enrollment already for January, the EPIC Intensive. EPIC stands for Empowering Practices for Intimate Connections. It's my 90-day program, 12 women, 90 days. We're learning tools for creating healthy relationships, and then we go on a nice little retreat at the end. It's transformative if you want to get out of your own way, if you want to... Um, Come to Radical Self-Acceptance, rock your relationships, all that good stuff. I got one minute left on Armed Radio. Armed Radio, until next time, never forget that you are a love machine. If you ever start to feel like you aren't getting the love you need, just make more and ask for candy. Everybody who showed up on the Facebook, thank you, you guys, for being here. Erica, Renata, Sharon. I love that your friends came. Dr. Lindsay. You guys rock. Right? You brought friends, honey. That's fantastic. You know, if you want to follow me on Instagram at Candy Love Coach, at Ask for Candy Podcast, and at Curvy Brown Yogi. And because it's Black Friday on Friday and Cyber Monday on Monday, go to Curvy Brown Yogi, my business page, and you can get all kinds of Curvy Brown Yogi apparel. Anyway, that's it, everybody. Ah, that was fun. Thank you, Doctor. So yes. <laughs> Thank you, everybody on the Facebook. Bye now. Bye, everybody. Bye, Dr. Lindsay. Bye. <laughs>